Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Jason, it's the last day of mandatory minicamp. Uh, it's like the last day of school. We will break down what we saw this week and what's got to happen between now and when the Bears start training camp uh, at the end of July. All of that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, it's the last day of camp, which means we get to run out of here. The Bears get to run out of here. Justin Fields gets to fly to France tomorrow to put on a football camp. Uh, What did you see this week from mandatory minicamp? Uh, Bears had full participation, except for a couple injured guys. Uh, And we got to watch a lot of Justin Fields throwing the football. There was some good and bad, Patrick. And really, like this team, when you're looking at them, it's early. But as they get closer to and into the season, a lot of things have to go right for them to be maybe a 10-win team. Mm -hmm. That's probably their ceiling, 10-11 wins. If everything went really, really right for them, uh, kind of a bottom playoff team, and I would say not everything is going right for them right now. Right. The biggest on that list is Fields. Fields has had some days and some plays where he looked really good. He's had some plays where he didn't. And while he has not been alarming by any means, he also hasn't been convincing. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a good thing for the Bears if he'd come out here and just been lights out in the spring and really had an emphatic performance that leaves everyone saying, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, but you, you and I talk about this. Have talked about this before. Mitch Trubisky used to do that, and it didn't matter on, on Sundays. He was he was average on. Sundays. He used to look good in practice, and yeah. then you'd get to I, the games. I, I think, yeah, it, I agree with you that if he came out and if he was amazing in these backfields, that would give more reason for optimism. But I, I, I don't want the people to think that you and I are reading too much out of what happens when nobody's in pads. No, and. A couple things that you can make a judgment off. Here, here's one that right. I think we all walk out of here thinking is DJ Moore looks like what you thought he'd be. Yep. And maybe that's just because I think Justin Jones made a comment about this the other day. He hasn't been around long, but he seems to know Bears history pretty well. <laughs> yep. Uh, maybe it's just because you don't see really good receivers around here often. Right. Over the last, I don't know, 40 years or whatever it's been. So DJ Moore looks really, really, really good when he's at Hallis Hall. But he does seem to be, on the field, he does seem to be what you thought, what the Bears thought they were acquiring. He has been really dominant in practice, and that bodes well for them. Are we going to pretend we didn't hear the alarm go off? Yes. Okay. What was the alarm for? Anything interesting? No. Okay. DJ Moore being... I think, at least in Bears Twitter... There seems to be a belief that DJ Moore is the second coming of AJ Brown, DeAndre Hopkins when he got traded to yeah. to uh, to Arizona. Uh, you know, go ahead and you know place whichever you know upper tier receiver has changed places in the last five years. Go ahead and plug that name in there. I think he has a better chance to be just a really good one. And that's great. That is light years better than what the Bears that. have had. That, yes. that, that makes you number one in that room. Yeah, right. But isn't there, I mean, isn't he more kind of like what every other team has than a transcendent sort of player? It, yes. As we sit here today, maybe. Yes, you know, but it is transcendent when you didn't have that. Right, okay. And now, yeah. you, now you do. 
But your but your point is well taken. Yeah. DJ Moore to this point has been productive. He has been good. Mm-hmm. He has finished in the top ten in the NFL in receiving yards yep. once. Okay. So he is not a game changer. Is he's he, not he's not on the level of some of those guys you mentioned that have changed teams. But for the Bears, for where they were, sitting there saying, Okay, Mooney looks good, and then he gets hurt. Claypool, we're not sure. There's potential. We need somebody better than both of those guys. Yeah. They did do that. And DJ, they, they thought they were doing it. We thought on paper that they were doing it. You see DJ Moore out on the field now, and it's clear that they have done that. He is better than anyone else they have at receiver. Is he better than Allen Robinson was? I think that he is more uh, explosive than Allen Robinson was. Allen Robinson, people are down on Allen Robinson because of how it ended, but Allen Robinson before that was the most ultra-reliable player you could have. Yep. I mean, just always in the right spot, always doing the right thing, always practicing uh, off-season practices, like never taking breaks or anything, like doing just every single part of his job right. Mm -hmm. Um, DJ Moore, probably more talented. Yeah, I think that's that's true. I I also think that... um, he is not probably at the level of Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall uh, when it comes to just guys who can take over games. Yeah, that's a good that's a good place to put him on the spectrum. Yeah, somewhere between a Rob and, and and also let's remember this. You know, when you're thinking big picture, and that's what you should be thinking as a Bears fan. He you have cost certainty with him, which is a fancy yeah. way of saying he's going to be here for a while on a pretty good contract. Nothing crazy. I think it's like yeah. seventeen million a year for the next three years. Yeah, that right? that's fine. And what was a Rob three for forty two coming off an injury? I mean, you know, th- this is uh, yeah, this is certainly I think below market value uh, for him, and that's good news for the Bears. Uh, the Bears have got a lot of money left, Jason. Um, Thirty two million. Can they spend it between now and the first snap of training camp? And if so, how? Well, you don't have to spend all of that, but I think you are going to have to spend a decent amount if you want to get a pass rusher. Yep. It's weird, Pat, because it's like these guys, Clowney and Ngakwe, are sitting there unsigned. There's another one, Melvin Ingram. Yep. They're sitting there unsigned, so no one has jumped on those players with with an offer that they want to take, but they are going to cost you. Right. They're not coming in on a minimum level. No. Deal. You might get Ngakwe for like ten million dollars this year right. or something like that. You're not going to get him for two. Right. I would say that that is a worthwhile expense for the Bears. The Bears need to be thinking ahead, but they cannot be entirely future focused like they were last year. Mm-hmm. Last year it was fine. Mm-hmm. This year they're actually trying to get somewhere. They're actually right. trying to do something, and they should be in in year two. And, and, with a roster that is almost entirely chosen by them at this point. Well, sure. And they also, whether it's offense or defense or whatever, you know, we get back to they need the best look possible at Justin Fields. And that comes by trying. You know? That comes by him not you know, playing from behind every game, all game. Sure. And, you know, I wonder between now and the start of camp, I think they're going to go get an edge rusher of some stripe. And I also wonder whether there's a swing tackle out there that's available. We heard Matt Eberflus on Thursday talking about, hey, we've got Lucas Patrick on the inside as a backup, you know, he can play guard or tackle, and we got to figure out who's on the outside. Maybe that's Larry Borm. We've seen him go back and forth. But, you know, last year, I go back to last year, they signed Riley Reef literally, what, the day before camp starts. Riley Reef was no one's idea of a game changer, but the minute they signed him, we thought he was going to be their starting left tackle. As it turned out, Braxton Jones beat him out, uh, and Reef was a nice swing tackle piece when he was he when his a bit he yeah and when his back bit. was when his back was good he, he was he was a pretty good player i wonder whether there's someone like that that we will see them sign 
you know, in the second to last week of July, you know, maybe patch that. Are there any other holes worth I, looking at? Well, when you say holes, I mean, defensive end is an emergency for them right now. They are looking for a starter. Yeah. Right? Not necessarily a starter, I guess, a third down. Like, they are looking for a top, for the best possible a, a defensive situ- end. A situational pass rusher at the, at the worst. Yes. Right. The other spots, when you talk about offensive line, I would maybe throw in receiver, corner. Mm-hmm. You're looking for insurance. Yep. You're looking for, can we get a corner who's better than Jalen Jones, mm-hmm. yeah. for example? Uh, can we get someone that, if, if there's an injury at one of those spots, which are problematic spots a lot of times for injuries, you know, do they have someone that can step right in that they feel pretty confident in? But, man, pass rusher is... A good place to spend some of that cap space. Don't spend it all. Right. Don't give Yannick and Gakwe four years or something like that. Right. But give him what he like. I would be pretty much be willing to give him whatever he reasonably wants for one year. Him or Clowney or one of those guys. Because right now it's Demarcus Walker. Right. Demarcus Walker is on his fourth team in four years. He's also a defensive tackle on third and eight. Yeah. He's not an end. He's a tackle. It's him and I, I guess Travis Gibson probably the other spot. Yeah. Travis Gibson has been a nice find, nice right. late round. Draft pick, nice developmental story for the Bears, but nice developmental story is not really what you're looking for at pass rush. And Pat, we know, we're talking about the team with the worst pass rush in the entire NFL last year. And they are spending their offseason taking care of what they can take care of by getting defensive tackles Mm -hmm. in the draft and then trying to rationalize it to you as, well, that's how you get the pass rush. You dent the middle of the pocket like that. You get it up the middle. Okay, you know, there, there's some benefit to doing that. I don't think that's how you create an overwhelming pass rush. I think, if, I think if they honestly believed that the best way to rush the passer would be by having a great defensive tackle, I think they would have gone and paid one rather than drafting two of them. You know, I mean, there were plenty yeah, of... gone wild and drafted yeah, Jalen Carter or yeah, something like that. Yeah, they had yeah maybe a transcendent pass rusher defensive tackle waiting for them uh, if they uh, wanted it and, and they didn't. And, you know, they had the opportunity to go sign some pretty big names. Uh, in free agency, I mean, the defensive tackle market was a lot better than the defensive end market, and they didn't think it was worth it. I, real quick, uh, just about the money they have left, there are still guys they've got that they can re-up, that they probably will re-up between yeah. now and then. Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson, uh, I think are the two obvious ones. Then you get into Darnell Mooney, and man, that's that's complicated because Mooney hasn't practiced since he got hurt. Uh, uh, and, and had uh, that really bad ankle injury. I'm sure the Bears want to see him up and on his feet before they can commit to anything. Uh, everything else they love about the guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they think he's uh, kind of the ideal teammate. And then you have Chase Claypool, who Ryan Poles told you and I in February, no, nah, I'm not. No, we're not going to do he that. He said, I need to see more, which I'm sure means on-field production. And whatever that means, he hasn't seen it this offseason. <laughs> I mean, Chase Claypool's missed the last couple of weeks, and... I don't ever fault somebody for getting hurt. No. I, w- I would get hurt playing football. Sure. I mean, everybody gets hurt playing football, but it's awfully inconvenient. Yep. It's awfully problematic that he's missing this time and that you have nothing so far that has suggested a change in his trajectory. So the four guys you mentioned, let's talk about these guys for a minute. Jalen Johnson, uh, I think, has by far the most leverage. He's the guy they need the most. He's mm-hmm. a 24-year-old corner who I think is one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm, sh- I, I'm sure he's top 10 at his position. Yeah, I was going to say better. top 10 or 12. Yeah, um, sure. And unlike Roquan Smith, there is no way they are looking at him and saying he will be easily replaceable. Right. I'm, they, they said a lot of these nice things about Roquan Smith last year, but they clearly believed he was easily replaceable. 
um, and, and wouldn't give him the five years, right. $100 million that he wanted. I think Jalen Johnson, you're going to have to probably come pretty close, if not actually meet his asking price. Did, I, I don't think you can let him go. Did you hit the snooze button on the original one? That's my question. I did. I was, you know, flashing the phone. No, no. Slapping at it, trying to, yeah. No, you're right in that um, Jalen, presuming he lands an agent, uh, because he was in the process of getting a new one, uh, that's a far more rational starting point than Roquan Smith was at when he didn't have an agent yeah. last year. So I, I think just that in and of itself portends a deal. Uh, Cole Komet wants a new deal, said all the right things you know, a couple weeks ago, saying, hey, man, I pay my agent a lot of money to figure this stuff out, right? And that's exactly what I would say if I were, mm-hmm. uh, if I were a player. I, I think Jalen should take top priority, but I think Komet's a, uh, also the kind of player you want to keep around. Um, yeah, I'm curious what they really make of him. They say really nice things about him, mm-hmm. even when they don't have to, even unprompted. Mm-hmm. But you are in your fourth year of trying to figure out what his ceiling is. Right. Cole Komet was their best uh, receiving player last year, mm-hmm. best skill player to throw to. Yep. Even though he doesn't play wide receiver, but he was still maybe middle of the pack mm-hmm. in NFL tight ends. Yep. Are you satisfied with that? If you're if you're Ryan Poles and you come from Kansas City where they had Travis Kelsey, right. your standards are probably pretty high. Can Cole Komet get there? He has climbed, mm-hmm. no doubt. Cole Komet has climbed his, in his three years. Is he still climbing, or is he done climbing? I don't know. They're different kinds of players, too. And uh, first of all, Travis Kelsey, I think we can agree, is the greatest tight end to ever live, probably. He's way up there. Rob Gronkowski, probably. If Kelsey's 1A, Gronk's 1B, somewhere up there, and you've got your Kellen Winslows and your Tony Gonzalez's and everybody else, too. But, you know, Gronk was an inline tight end who was one of the better blockers on the field every time he was out there, too. That's more the style. I'm absolutely not comparing the two. But that is more the style of Colt Komet is that, you know, you can't just look at receiving numbers because he is a really important part of the league's best rushing offense last year. Uh, He's somebody who, if you're going to have a rookie at right tackle and a second-year guy at left tackle, boy, if he is a good blocker, he can help both of those guys as they get their feet underneath them. And I think he did with Braxton Jones last year. And now you've got Robert Tunyon playing more of the move tight end role I think the two of those guys combined uh, make up a pretty good tight end room, uh, honestly. I I just don't know what value you put in uh, a solid receiver and a solid blocker, but maybe not more than a B-plus at either. And Komet, because of that and because of his numbers being fine but not great, probably doesn't have the leverage to insist upon a contract extension being done or he's not showing up to training camp or something like that. He, and I, I don't view that as a bad thing, by the way, when players hold out. That is their, that's one of their options. Right. That's one of the tools you can use in the way that this game is played mm-hmm. financially. That's one of your courses you can take. I don't think Cole Komet would have that much grounds no. to take that. You mentioned Mooney. Yeah. Mooney's an interesting one because you said they want to see him up and running. I would kind of think that's all they need to see. Yep. I think Darnell Mooney gets out there, has a couple good weeks in training camp. He could be done. That could be a deal done. In August, I don't think they need to see him play. They just need to see that he's okay. And, Pat, they might get a little bit of a deal on him because he's coming off this year where he played below what everybody thinks he is. Everyone agrees Darnell Mooney is – that wasn't a down year in the sense of like, whoa, what's going on with Darnell Mooney. That was a down year after going for 1,000 the year before, after looking nothing but good his Bears career prior to that. Mm -hmm. Everyone expects reasonably, too – 
that he's going to get a lot better. It might be really advantageous for them to just get a couple weeks of, okay, everything's good. He's at full speed. We're clocking him at the same miles per hour that he was before. Right. We're seeing the same agility that we saw before. Let's do this now while, you know, before he goes out and starts putting up numbers. I always think that if I were a pro football player, it would be really hard for me to not jump at the first reasonable contract offer. <laughs> right. And I think that's why you hire an agent, because an agent helps take some of the emotion out of it. But if you're Mooney and if you suffered that ankle injury, you know, in New York or New Jersey, technically, I mean, man, your earning power had to flash before your eyes the second that happened. And there is a world, if you're a football player, if you're in a walk year coming off an injury, if you get hurt again, I mean, it's generational wealth that might go down the tubes if you don't have a deal done. I, I, we've talked about this, you know, off, off mic a ton of times. What was it? Two weeks before he got hurt and never played again. Tariq Cohen signed a contract mm-hmm. extension. Mm-hmm. Like, get your money, players. Get your money because the minute you get hurt, you never know whether you can come back. For that reason, I think it might be a team-friendly contract because you know maybe it's less than he thought he was going to get a year and a half ago, but it's sure as hell more than he's guaranteed going forward. I would love to talk to Mooney when we can talk to Mooney about how you weigh that. You know, the idea of. You know, the idea of making enough money to give to your children's children if you just sign on the dotted line versus the risk of either making more or watching it all go away with another injury. That's To me, that's super compelling stuff. I have a feeling if he's healthy and they will want to see that. Right. And they, man, Matt Eberflus has been dodgy on that pet. <laughs> I would have so many. Hold on. Can I describe your face? Mm-hmm. In mid-sentence, you just put both hands on your head, mm-hmm. bowed your head in... Disgust or frustration somewhere maybe between the two. Exasperation. Exasperation. I, I, just, I, I got sidetracked here because I was thinking about Matt Eberflus refusing to answer and give clear answers about Darnell Mooney's rehab. And I'm thinking what I want to ask you yeah. is if everything is in fact going well with that, mm-hmm. wouldn't you diffuse all of the intrigue in it by telling people how well it's going specifically? Isn't the dodginess part of what puts you on alert? Matt Eberflus's dodginess is part of what makes me think back to Tariq Cohen and be like, oh, wait a minute. Is this something where we're going to look back months later and be like, ah, that's why he was so dodgy about this? Yes, but Matt Eberflus on the first day of OTAs could have said, Jalen Johnson's not here, but he'll be here in week three. He's got some stuff to take care of at home. He's, he's zooming into meetings. We found out that he was zooming into meetings literally, what, at the end of the second week of OTAs that we were allowed up here, that little nugget alone, I think, would have made fans freak out a lot less. The Bears, I, yeah, it, am I suspicious? Of course I'm suspicious. It's part of our job. But I think the Bears have a pretty well-worn history, or Eberflus does at least, of not grabbing the opportunity to turn something that uh, might be controversial into something that's not. And, boy, I, I think from everybody's point of view, you wish you'd just come out and say it if it's if it really is you know if, J- if they had known at the start of OTAs Jalen was going to be there for week three and it was no big deal come out and say it so it doesn't turn into two weeks of controversy maybe in that case they didn't mind Jalen having to wear it because they'd prefer Jalen be at camp <laughs> I like I'm sure that's part maybe. of it but yes yeah I I think it's you know I will believe Mooney when I see him but I don't think it's out of character for Eberflus Eberflus did say the quote, absolutely, he'll be back for training camp. Yeah, that was... Uh, absolutely. 
But that again, like I had to ask, like, do you still plan on him being back for training camp? Like, that wasn't anything he offered. You think that that would oh, be? Yeah. You think that that would be volunteered? Hey, he's on. I'm not going to give you every detail. He's on the right path. We'll see him in training camp. We're thrilled. Like, that's not hard to do to uh, to try to quell some fears uh, about that. Uh, Jason, anything else you're looking forward to? Uh, beyond uh, all of us getting away for a little bit about, is there anything fans need to have their ears perked up about between now and the start of training camp around July 25th? More of the rookies making some noise. Tyreek Stevenson has looked really good, the second-round corner Mm -hmm. out of Miami. And not that anyone else has looked bad, because there are other picks, there are other high picks, Pat, were line of scrimmage players, and you just aren't going to be able to tell much yep. about that. I mean, there is a limited amount you can tell about anything yep. during OTAs because of the way that it's constructed and what the rules are and how little they actually do in terms of head-to-head competition. But that is true nowhere as much as it's true on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Offensive linemen, defensive tackle, it's just hard to know about those guys like Dexter and Pickens and Wright. Um, so you'd be looking for some other players, some other rookies besides Stevenson when you get to training camp to stand out and be like, oh, wow, nobody can get by Darnell Wright or no sure. one can stop Dexter, things like that. And, and this is obvious, but it's worth saying out loud. The reason it's hard to judge O-linemen and D-linemen isn't, because, isn't just because there's no contact in theory allowed or no real contact allowed. It's because they're not wearing uh, shoulder pads. There's nothing for an offensive lineman to shoot up at, to block. Or, or some may say to hold, um, and and there's nothing that whole interplay just doesn't exist. It's like you know, it's like your college flag football team or something. So yeah, so we'll get to learn a lot more about that once the pads come on. In that same vein, Jason, I would offer that I don't think you learn a damn thing about running backs until the pads come on either. Yeah, yeah. The Bears sure. have got three, maybe three and a half, if you want to give Travis Homer a little love. Uh, and you know, we'll see whether you know whether Foreman. I think right now, if I had to do it, I'd be. Foreman, 35% Khalil Herbert for home run balls, and then 15% uh, Roshan Johnson, and kind of see where they go from there. Is that about, is is that kind of where you'd put them right now? Yes, I I agree with you. Um, And that's the position battle. It's not about depth chart. It's really about share of the load. Sure. They're all going to play. Were you going to say reps chart? No. (laughs) I was going to put their share of the carries in. Um, You know, Khalil Herbert was a really electric playmaker. Mm-hmm. You have heard, however, from everyone, including him, mm-hmm. not a great pass blocker. Yep. That would have to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foreman, better as a pass blocker, mm-hmm. and had almost a 1,000 yards last year. He, Foreman feels old. He's yeah. 27. Well, he's I, not even, like, running back old yet. Do you know, he's funny, and, and I wrote about it in the Sun-Times today, but he had two carries more than Montgomery did last year and averaged a half yard a carry more. So he's essentially Montgomery, but better last year. But you look at this guy's resume. This guy backed up Derrick Henry um, two years ago. Last year, he backed up Christian McCaffrey. You know, he was with the Texans when Lamar Miller was good. Lamar Miller. Do you know how long ago that feels? Like, and it's, and he has never had an opportunity like this before. You know, he got a little bit of one in the second half of the season with the Panthers last year and and ran, literally ran with it. Look what I did there. Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I talked to him and, and he said, listen, I've been essentially, you know, I've been in a timeshare running back since I was seven years old. <laughs> so that speaks more to kind of the way football is than than his own skills. But, yeah, the Bears have got to find a balance there. And uh, the Bears are kind of uh, kicking and screaming, moving into the 21st century when it comes to running backs. Because until last year, David Montgomery was their bell cow. And before that, it was Jordan Howard. And before that, it was Matt Forte. 
they're doing what the rest of the world is doing now, which is uh, spreading it out among two, three, four guys. Matt Forte could play that game. I could go for Matt Forte, actually. Matt Forte is uh, one of the most criminally underrated football players of my lifetime, I think. Didn't he have uh, multiple seasons of 100 catches? No, we had one with 101. Okay. Uh, the last game of the season in Minnesota – uh, on the in the fourth quarter, I think they threw to him like seven times to get him the record, which is what you do when your team stinks and you're what and you're looking for a record. Yet? He broke Larry Center's record, if I if I remember correctly, former uh, former fullback for the uh, Cardinals. You, you threw Lamar Miller's name out there, didn't he? Slip through the Bears, wasn't he? On the, yeah, he was on the practice season. He was on the practice or, squad for a I while. I think he played. I think Lamar Miller got a carry in a game for the Bears in 2020. I think that's true. I also think, <laughs> yeah, uh, good times. Yeah, we'll play name those Bears. Uh, What's everybody's game? Uh, Bear, Bear or Alderman? That's a good training camp that would be game. A good one, yeah. We'll play that in training camp, but uh, we will. Uh, we, we will. If news breaks, Jason, we'll be back with the people. But uh, but good Lord willing, um, uh, we all get to enjoy a little bit of time off between now and the start of training camp. Uh, we will be writing during that period, though, so please follow us on the Sun-Times website. Pick up a newspaper if you can. Check out Jason and Mark Potash on Twitter and follow me as well. He is Jason Leisure. Mark Potash is far afield. I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again sometime soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.